0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. It's October 12th, 2020. I'm J.C. Sherbert. I'm here with you. Oh, for the next (coughs) little bit, talking about a win, finally. Finally. Uh, South Carolina 41, Vanderbilt 7 on Saturday up in Nashville. Uh, just a good, solid win for the Gamecocks. I'll, I said this uh, in my game notes uh, on the TheBigSpur.com, uh, and I'll say it again. I Look, I don't think Vanderbilt's very good. I'll just be honest. That's not a a good football team. It's, you know, year seven of the Derrick Mason era, and I think they're in a year zero type of situation with all the freshmen they're playing Um, And I guess at Vandy, you know, that's what you got to do. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have dips. uh, You're going to have lulls. And um, they're certainly in a lull right now. You feel bad for Derek Mason and his staff, Todd Fitch, Ted Roof, those guys. Uh, But South Carolina went up there and took care of business. I thought, you know, 485 yards on offense uh, is a good solid day for the Gamecocks. Um, You know, I thought holding them down rushing yardage-wise was good. I know Will Muschamp was unhappy with the defensive line. After the game, and and I get that to a certain extent. You know, one guy went seventy two yards on thirteen carries. There were some holes, but then there were some individual bright spots too. I thought, you know, Jordan Birch continues to play really, really well uh, when he's in there. Zach Pickens. Uh, it was good to see Rick Sandage get in there and get a sack. That's a you know confidence thing. Uh, and I mentioned this, you know, Dakarian Joiner taking the forty seven yard reverse to the house. Um, you know, Cam Smith getting the interception. Rick Sandage getting a sack. You know, all those guys are good players. Um, They were all four-star guys coming out of high school, for those of you that uh, look at those kind of things. Um, The issue with all of them has been inconsistency so far. Uh, And Joiner's, I think only – Joiner's in his third year, but only first full year playing receiver. You know, Cam Smith's in his first full year, redshirted last year, and Rick Sandage is in his third year. Uh, but, but those guys, you know, when you're up and down like that, you could struggle with confidence. And sometimes it just takes, you know, one big play in a game situation because that's where the rewards come. You work so hard in practice and you know, nobody really cares if you do anything in practice except the coaches. Um, but then you get in there in a game and uh, you do that with the reverse and everything, the touchdown, the interception, you get a big sack. You know, that can help you. That can help your your offense – or, sorry, your confidence. Um when you move forward and Carolina needs those guys, you know, it, it's, it's never going to get any easier in terms of an opponent than what Carolina played Saturday. It's an all sec schedule. I'll remind you of that uh, as if you needed reminding and, you know, next week you got Auburn next week, you got LSU the next week, you got A&M then you got old miss boy, old Miss's Offense looked pretty, pretty salty uh, against Bama and has really looked pretty salty all year. Uh, if you think about it, they've been, um, going up and down the field against everybody. So that's going to be a challenge out in Oxford. You know, I know LSU's one and two. Probably the shocking, most shocking result of the day was Missouri kind of getting up off the mat and beating them. And they threw a lot of uh, high-completion passes against that defense. And, boy, LSU's defense is a mess. They're scoring points, but they're kind of a mess. Um, And then Auburn uh, survived the Arkansas Razorbacks this weekend – Uh, thanks to a kind of a gratuitous call. But uh, the Hogs uh, really gave them all they wanted coming back from being down, uh, and that's the opponent this weekend. So, you know, it never doesn't get any easier. Um, But I think what you wanted to do is go up there and win like you did. You know, that's that's sort of how it goes, you know, when there's some of these breather games on the schedule. And thankfully there's one, you know, some teams – like, like LSU, I don't think – well, LSU did play Vandy. Um, some teams don't get to play Vandy. Let's, let's just put it that way. Uh, and so that's kind of the only game in the league this year you look at and go, well, that that should be a win. <laughs> and certainly Carolina got that win, and we'll see kind of what Vanderbilt does for the rest of the year. So far not great, not, not even close to good, but um, we'll see kind of how all that works. Kevin Harris, 171 yards on 20 carries, including an 88-yard – sprint to the house uh big old hole in that play um really you know second straight 100 yard plus game carolina needed a running back to step up this year you know especially with marshawn lloyd hurt and you know it looks like kevin harris is going to be that guy you know in in the spring before they shut it down due to covid you know just talking to some contacts they felt like you know it'd be one lloyd Marshawn Lloyd, number one, and then Kevin Harris, number two, if Harris could stay healthy. Well, he's healthy, uh, and he's running it well. You know, he's – I was probably understating him a little bit in terms of the uniqueness as far as his, you know, bowling ball style. And, you know, I thought maybe change of pace type of back. But, you know, he's a guy that can go out there and get it done if you give him the ball. Uh, And so he's been very productive the last two weeks. And, you know, it's not bad for a – Three-star kid, they beat the service academies on. Could you imagine him, by the way, at Air Force or Navy or Army? My goodness gracious, in Navy's triple option offense, Kevin Harris? I mean, wow. <laughs> that would be something else. Carolina defense continues to get off the field on third down, One another one for 11-day. Um, you know, they gave up some plays here and there, especially kind of in the first half. Big goal line stand for the Gamecocks to preserve a shutout. The game was probably closer than they wanted at halftime, 10-0, and then Carolina, you know, took control in the second half, and that's kind of what you want. You know, an almost 500-yard day of total offense, and Shy Smith only had four receptions. Uh, and, you know, they gave him the ball and a shovel pass and some things like that. And I think Mike Bobo continues to make the right calls at the right time. You know, Colin Hill certainly is good at executing them and reading the defense at the line of scrimmage and getting the team in the right play. And that's, that's very important. You know, when you don't have a stable full of playmakers where you can just go out and, you know, call whatever and do whatever, you know, you got to kind of scheme it up. And so that's that's been very important, uh, I think, so far for Carolina on offense and certainly was big, you know, on Saturday. Uh, Ryan Helinski got in the game. Um, I know some of you were kind of complaining. He didn't get a pass attempt. Um i understand that uh i also yeah and i get it i wanted to just say i understand that um i sort of like to see the backup quarterback throw the ball too uh i don't know if it was a philosophical thing or or what but uh that was kind of how that went but good to see ryan get some playing time and all the other guys you know when, when you win like this everybody gets to play there's not going to be a lot of these opportunities this year where you can kind of empty the bench um you know, practice is always better the following week if everybody gets to play. Uh, that's that's why you blow teams out uh, and all that. You know, I mentioned Jordan Birch earlier, and and you know, Birch is very productive when he's in there. My goodness, I you know, there's a reason he was a five star guy, right? And he did miss some time in the preseason, and so they're kind of bringing him along slowly. But man, when he's out there, you can kind of see the raw talent. He's just going to get better and better. And better and they're gonna need him so <laughs> you know like I said it doesn't get any easier uh, so hats off to Jordan Burch uh, for continuing to play really really well uh, in terms of, of how he started the season as a true freshman uh, at South Carolina um, a lot of things to correct obviously uh, heading into the game against Auburn this weekend um, you know must have talked about the D line and and I think he's he's got a point collectively uh, I mentioned some of the guys that played well individually, but collectively, he's probably got a point. Said they played high, played a little soft. Um, and that's not good. You know, when you're, you know, the defensive line on Saturday has to play extremely well because they have an opportunity to disrupt Auburn's offense. Because Auburn's offensive line, uh, just have some news for you folks. They're, they're not, they haven't played that well so far this year. Um, so there's an opportunity there for the Gamecocks. Um, You know, looking ahead to Saturday, and we're obviously going to talk about this game all week, but looking ahead to Saturday, uh, you know, there's been very few times. South Carolina hasn't played Auburn a whole lot. Uh, They played them twice in 2010, once in 2011, and then once in 2014, but – You know, I guess the only time you could look at it and go, well, Auburn was kind of on a downturn was that 2011 team. That that team still won eight games or nine games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That was the year after they won the national championship. They came in, and, you know, Carolina just had a bad day. There's no other way to spin it. October 1st, 2011, I'll always remember that day. Um, I was at the game, you know, and Carolina lost 16-13, I think Michael Dwyer had, like, 41 carries for 185 yards and couldn't keep him off the field, and and they won it. You know, Stephen Garcia didn't have his best day that day. But but that's the only time thinking back. The Gamecocks played Auburn for the first time in 96. It was 28-24. Uh, 97, I think this was the Terry Bowden era down there. They were pretty good. 97, Auburn went to the Dome and played for the SEC Championship. They beat Carolina 23-6 in Columbia. Um, And then you have to fast forward to 05, uh, Spurrier's first year. Auburn had a much better team that day. That was the Antonio Hefner starting at quarterback day down on the plains. I was at that one too. Gamecocks lost 48-7. The next year on a Thursday night, Auburn was ranked second in the country. Uh, Will Buschamp was actually the defensive coordinator uh, for that Auburn team. They won 24-17. Jared Cook dropped a touchdown. Uh, could have been a lot closer than that. And that was the famous game where Spurriers like, don't clap when we lose. <laughs> and uh, you know, so the game Guys went down there, the two losses in 2010 and, and then lost 2011. And then 2014, you know, that was a year Carolina just didn't have much defense, went down, and got in a shootout with Auburn. Dylan Thompson played a really good football game that day and Spurrier was dialing them up against Ellis Johnson that was 42-35. My point in all this is to say very few times has South Carolina had Auburn rotate on the schedule during all this and Auburn's in one of their kind of down cycles. Um, Gamecocks didn't get to play the the 2012 Auburn Tigers that went winless in the league or they didn't get to play one of those seven and six teams that, that they tend to have sometimes. So You know, is this two-and-one Auburn team that's ranked in the top 15 one of those down-cycle teams? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, you look at them. uh, They beat Kentucky early on. Kentucky's anemic on offense, right? Well, I don't know. You say Kentucky's anemic on offense, but you look at it, and they weren't that great against Auburn. And then they had 600 yards of total offense and a one-point loss to Ole Miss. Ole Miss didn't stop at anybody, by the way. And then they rotate back last week. They did win the game 24-2 to over Mississippi State, but K.J. Costello is a turnover machine uh, for that team right now. Um, I think Kentucky only had – maybe they had less than 100 yards of total offense. It was one of those stats. Uh, but, but they didn't go very far. Um, so you do have that first game and then, you know, the loss to Georgia for Auburn sandwiched in there. That was a dominant performance by the Bulldogs. But after watching Georgia play Tennessee this weekend, I have a feel I mean, you know, we'll see how they do against Alabama Saturday. You know, that that's going to be a game heading in. I think a lot of people are going to hedge their bets on the Georgia defense uh, and say, well, Bama's defense is a struggling bunch, uh, and Georgia's due against those guys. You know, so we'll see what happens this weekend. A big game down in T-Town. Uh, with the Dogs and the Crimson Tide. But, you know, when you think about it, uh, it, it it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint this Auburn team. I mean, I, I think Arkansas is playing better football than people think. You know, you think about Arkansas, okay. First half against Georgia, they had them right there. You know, Georgia pulled away in the second half. Then the next week they go to Mississippi State and win. Then the next week they go to Auburn and almost win. You know, so is Arkansas as bad as we thought? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so maybe that was a, a good win. Auburn certainly was fortunate with that that play should have been a fumble. We we know that from watching uh Carolina play Missouri last year and the Helensky play that did not go that well. Um, so it was a good deal. Is a good deal, you know, for the game for uh for Auburn uh, to get that. But that that's kind of what happens sometimes when you play some of these SEC teams. I've found when there's a confusing call on the field, you can sometimes guess which way it's gonna go. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Auburn kicks a field goal; they win the football game. They got to come to Carolina, and and I I think that because of the tightness of that game, Auburn people are not going to be happy this week. Uh, and, and that that's a place that you know a lot like any place in the SEC when you're not winning, they they kind of rally the troops sometimes. I and mean, it's a big one for Auburn. I mean, that, it's a road game; they've got to go in and make sure they beat the Gamecocks to kind of stay on schedule. And so we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, this weekend, and and that's my question. I'm going to be asking, talking about this all week, how good is Auburn, really? You know, are they that – I mean, are they better than we think? Uh, Is this a team that should be in the top 15? Or is this a team that was lucky to beat a team that's not that good and, and that also lost handedly to Georgia where they couldn't move the ball? I think Carolina does have an advantage on the defensive line, though, just kind of looking at it. You know, right here, I, I think Auburn's a struggling bunch uh, up front. Uh, the the thing is, though, they do have a quarterback. They got a lot of experience last year. They have great wide receivers. You know, they're capable of making big plays. And we've seen a lot of big plays in the SEC the first three weeks. It's uh, It was interesting to look at Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban's comments after that shootout in Oxford about, you know, Lane Kiffin's like, I can't believe this is SEC football right now. And he said it may be because of COVID and the lack of – practicing tackling, but there are teams going up and down the field this year. I mean, Missouri, you know, to me, and I know Eli Drinkwitz has caught a lot of good ball plays over the years and, and all that, but, it, you know, watching them against Alabama and then Tennessee, I wouldn't have expected them to put up 45 against LSU. But I think also if you go back in time and you watch the last two Mississippi State games, you wouldn't expect expected them to put up 44 against LSU either and have – that many yards in that game. So LSU is the following week. And, you know, that's, that's after they play Auburn this weekend. Uh, so we'll see kind of what happens there. But uh, big game for the Gamecocks this weekend against Auburn. Good win against Vandy. Uh, I don't want to overstate it because, as I said before, you know, when we talked about Vandy, James Franklin is not walking through that door. Uh, you know, this is, not the, the, this is not the Vandy of yore. where, you know, they had a chance. This isn't even the team they had last year that got up off the mat and upset Missouri like they did. You you always got to be careful when you play them Um, because sometimes they will jump up and bite you. But I think they probably already had their jump up and bite you game uh, against Texas A&M where, you know, they were close in the fourth quarter, lost 17-12. A&M, by the way, big win over Florida. A big comeback. I, I thought the Gators played pretty well offensively, uh, defensively. wasn't their best day. Kellen Mond had a really big game. Their running back Spiller played really well. Jimbo Fisher was dialed in. That was kind of a must-win for the Aggies, uh, and not Florida. Kind of back down to earth a little bit, but you know it, it, they got it. Florida's got LSU this weekend, so it's it never ends, huh? Uh, in the Southeastern Conference. All right, so that, that that's my take on. Kind of where things are at. We're going to get into the mailbag. Um, again, if you want to get into the mailbag, email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it's uh, you know, just one of those things. that I'm sorry, I got distracted by looking at one of these questions. Uh, you know, inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. And then, you know, you can tweet at the big spur pod. Uh, if you want to. All right, first question comes in. This comes in from Derek. He says, Gamecocks won, yada yada yada," yada. But the real reason we all two in is your hatred of Dave Big Game Dorn. After the huge win in Charlottesville, are you ready to admit he's right behind Saban and Dabo is the best coach in America? Hey, look, I'll say this. That was a big win for the North Carolina State Wolfpack. It's surprising, surprising because – I mean, you know, the guy that he has coordinated his offense now too was a guy that they ran out of Texas. Uh, Herman fired him and and brought in a new guy or whatever. And uh, you know, what can I say? Um, uh, The Wolfpack's what three and one because they yeah they beat Wake. They had a big win against Pitt, and then they they go and they they beat Virginia. So shoot, look out, break up the NC State Wolfpack right now. But uh, I'll, I'll stand by my opinion on Dave Doran, (laughs) but I'll admit that I may look like an idiot uh, after, uh, if they continue to win and play well, you know, i you know, I'll just put it that way. They avoid Clemson this year too. They took that game off the schedule uh, when they redid the ACC schedule. So Clemson doesn't, NC state does not have to play Clemson this year. Maybe they get on a run and finish second and, We have an NC State-Clemson ACC championship game. How about that? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Thanks for the email, Derek. Eric says, JC, as always, enjoy listening to the podcast. Feels good to be enjoying a pretty dominant win this weekend. I know Vandy was down some players and all that, but a 41-7 victory in the SEC is good regardless of the opponent. Yeah, I agree. Good win. Put it in perspective, but it's a good win. What are your feelings about the defense after three weeks? There seems to be a lot of criticism about the defense, but statistically, they're doing pretty well in those categories. Carolina ranks three, third in the comp, or I guess third in the country on third down, thirty second passing, twenty second rushing, fifteenth in the red zone, 26 overall. I feel like a few explosive plays have really been the difference, and something that can be cleaned up. I agree with you there. Uh, I guess you also keep have to keep in mind some teams haven't played this season as well. Yeah, when you're looking at the rankings, the, the other conferences that are getting started here in the next couple of weeks aren't part of that. I think, gosh, they're 75 right now. But you know, you're still kind of in the upper echelon. Uh when you think about it. I mean, you're third in the country on third down defense. And that's always that's been an issue for this defense during the Muschamp era. That used to be, oh, uh, they can't get off the field. Everybody's upset about the cushion zones and all that good stuff. Well that, that didn't happen. Uh you know, now there's sometimes they have they don't get the third down. Other teams going up and down the field. Uh, well, I admit I thought a year five must champ defense would be more disciplined when it comes to big plays. I don't buy the narrative that they're terrible, like some people are saying. I, I don't either. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I I think there's a lot of teams around the SEC right now who are wondering about their defense. You know, kind of scratching their head. Um, and this league has evolved into more of an offensive league the last few years. I'm not ready to say it's like the Big Twelve. But it has evolved a bit. Teams can score on you. Um, you know, I, I think there's probably questions. LSU's got some questions. Uh, I think even Auburn may have some questions. Uh, you know, I, I know they've got some questions in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Outside of Athens, Georgia, I don't know where they'll they have some questions on defense. Even Tennessee, um, you know, defensively in the second half Saturday was, you know, they they fell apart. Georgia went up and down the field on them. So, you know, I I I don't know what to say. You know, I, I do think, you know, if you look at the Florida game statistically, you know, Carolina's best defense that day was probably its offense. You know, you had a like a thirty-six to twenty-three advantage on time of possession, uh, and that that keeps the stats down. Um, you know, I, I thought Tennessee just big played Carolina to death. Uh, at key moments, Tennessee on offense made the big plays. Uh, Carolina made some big plays on offense, too. But, you know, you shut down even one of those and you probably won a close football game. Uh, so, no, I don't buy that they're terrible. And I mentioned some players like Cam Smith and Rick Sandage uh, at the top that hopefully will start playing with confidence and get in more and more and play well. I, I also mentioned the defensive line. Uh you know, I, I didn't look at it and thought they played bad, but Muschamp obviously saw something there he didn't like, and that has to be cleaned up because you you have a chance Saturday to have an advantage with the defensive line versus their offensive line, um, and so you know this game Saturday against Auburn, you know South Carolina's defense has to play really well. The offense needs to stay on the field, be efficient like they are, score touchdowns in the red zone, all that good stuff, but you know south carolina's defense i think is better than arkansas on defense i think they're just as good as kentucky in defense on defense uh and, and i think they're not as good as georgia <laughs> obviously on defense but i do think this is one of the better defenses that uh you know carolina uh or that auburn has faced so far this year than their fourth game of the season now we'll see you know you still got Gus Malzahn over there. He still got Chad Morris. You got a veteran quarterback. Bo Nix is a veteran now. You got Tank Bigsby rushed for 146 yards against the Hogs. Um, DJ Williams is an excellent back. Uh, you know, they kind of turned Tank loose against the Razorbacks. Seth Williams is a future NFL receiver. You know they have some weapons. Uh, it's just can you beat them up front? Uh, and that's what you got to do. And, and Arkansas is probably not super duper on the D line right now. Uh, so that's the deal this weekend. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, South Carolina's defense, people are going to complain. Until you start winning and getting on a roll, people are going to complain about everything. I mean, there's, you know, after a win this weekend and that the probably didn't move the needle a whole lot, uh, people are still complaining. So it, the complaints are not going to stop. But that's part of playing big-time, big-boy football uh, in the Southeastern Conference is your fans are very passionate uh, and they love, you know, the team. And, and, and when you get hurt, you know, by something you care about like a football team Um, there's a Luke Combs song that talks about how beer never broke, broke his heart. And he says like diamond rings and football teams <laughs> that tore my world apart. So you can kind of all relate there. If you l- listen to country music and like Luke Combs, but uh, that's true. And so got yeah, people are going to be, Upset and picking it apart and all that, regardless. But yeah, forty-one-seven win. You know now it's I think thirteen in a row against the Commodores. Twenty-six and four overall. Twenty-five and four since you've been in the SEC. You don't want to lose to those guys. You know that, that that's a tough. That can that can really hurt an entire season, is if you lose to those guys. So they didn't lose, and so Carolina um Carolina's moving on and it's better than the alternative because I would not want to be sitting here talking to you today had Carolina lost to Vanderbilt. It would be a a whole different set of discussions uh, if Carolina had lost that game, and they didn't, and they played well, and some guys that needed some good things to happen to them, they had good things happen to them. So, Eric, thanks for the question. Please continue. Don't be a stranger with the Mailbag. We appreciate that. JC, uh, oh, this comes in from Noah, who's a frequent emailer. Again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, if you would like to get a mailbag question in. Or you could tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And please go follow that Twitter account. Uh, JC, I enjoy your honest but optimistic outlook on Carolina football. If the Gamecocks knock off Auburn, who seems to be off to a slow start, will the Gamecocks finally get some respect on the national stage? And what kind of impact would the win have on recruiting? Thanks, Noah. I, I think, you know, Nationally, all right. So, what the, uh, let's hypothetically say the Gamecocks win this weekend. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'll, I'll make my prediction later in the week. Uh, what What is going to cause is a lot of angst and consternation on the plains of Alabama. That, that's going to be the first thing that happens because people are going to be like, well, what the hell is wrong with Auburn? You know, um, that's a bad loss for Auburn, et cetera. And Auburn's a three point favorite. So, we'll see kind of what happens there F- for Carolina. You know, I think with recruiting, recruits want to see progress. They they aren't necessarily looking at one game as a big difference. Um, so I think with recruiting, it helps. But any any win does, and you know all that. I, I think internally, as far as the game as a pro, as a program went, look, they've never beaten these guys. They beat them in the 30s one time, I think. Maybe two, but, you know, since they've been in the SEC, Carolina's never beaten Auburn. They're one of two teams Carolina's never beaten. I mean, South Carolina's beaten Alabama three times since they've been in the SEC. That I mean Auburn once. They've beaten LSU down there. So, you know, when I look at it, it's always good to do something you haven't done, you know. And, and I think if you're Will Munchchamp, there's been – you know outside of winning more games his first three seasons of any coach um which he did do that um i think that that was a good talking point two years ago not anymore but uh you know three three straight bowl games too was kind of was a record you know best start ever but again that was a good two year ago talking point but uh you know, you beat Auburn. Hey, never beaten Auburn. So, so that's a good thing because it, it really, you know, you don't want to have these long losing streaks against teams, um, especially in this league where of the other thirteen teams you've beaten eleven of them, but you've never beaten two of them, and you got you, ironically you have those two back to back home games. You know, you have Auburn and then go to LSU, and then you come back and you play A and M, and Carolina has not. I mean, they did beat LSU once in the 90s, 94. Brad Scott's first year is an 18-17 to game. I think it was raining down in Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU, as a football program at the time, was in the wilderness a little bit. Uh, Other than that, they hadn't beaten LSU either. So a grand total of one win in the SEC against the next three opponents. So obviously there's an opportunity there uh, to make some people feel good. You know, I still think that if if you're talking about would you rather win the next two or three or beat Tennessee and Florida, I obviously think it's Tennessee and Florida because they're division teams. Uh, And those games are always more important. You know, bottom line, unless you're going and, you know, like Florida and LSU sometimes are in the top five and they play and that's a big one. Or Georgia and Bama are playing this weekend and that's a big one. But, you know, I, I think that the division games are obviously more important. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. National stage-wise, I think that it's going to take more than a win over Auburn for relevance. But, you know, that's the only thing you can do to really achieve relevance is, uh, you know, win games and and win big ones and, and surprise some people. So, Noah, I appreciate all your emails you send. They're always very good questions. James says, J.C., do you believe that the Auburn game is another inflection point? The top fifteen team that has looked beatable, a chance to steal one back on ESPN, and a team we hadn't beaten since nineteen thirty three seems like a big opportunity. at all, James, I'm completely there with you. It is a big opportunity. It is a big inflection point. Um, it, it's a game where you know you're a three point underdog, so you add the three for the home field or whatever. I don't even know if the the, the lines make odds makers are doing that this year. Uh, it's a six point game. You know that's not. Uh, a terrible I think that was the line Tennessee Tennessee was four but yeah so yeah th- this this is a good inflection point you got some momentum with a win you're playing a team that you know first three games they they hadn't been super duper impressive um and so yeah and you got an opportunity on the line of scrimmage because your defensive lines so far are looking better than their offensive line and that's sometimes when games are won and lost so we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens there. I mean, I know that uh, talking to some folks inside the program, they're they're excited about this opportunity, and they're excited about you know going and maybe doing doing something that's never been done. So that's uh coach Spurrier used to talk about that. Let's do something that's never been done. I had not beaten Auburn, so that that that'll be a good one uh, if they can get that done. And I, I think that. Again, the win this weekend, let's put it in perspective, That that's, that is nuts, the worst Vanderbilt team I've seen in a long, long time. I got to the point where I kind of feel sorry for them uh, for the rest of the year. But, you know, Carolina did exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, they, they beat them soundly. <laughs> soundly. Beat them on the scoreboard, beat them in the stack column. Beat them soundly. So – you know wasn't a perfect game by any stretch but it was a, a the perfect game for this team that needed to gain some confidence uh get up off the mat a little bit and then look forward to you know this weekend which as you said James is an inflection point big opportunity um no matter what you how you want to spin it there or what 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 phrase you want to use make no mistake about it this game i mean they're not you know there's a lot of 50-50 type games On the schedule moving forward, Um, and you got to win your share of those to get to postseason, which is what you know this team needs to do this year. Gets back to postseason. I I thought you know the defense. You know I I was pretty concerned about what Muschamp said about the D line, but I thought the defense played. You know had kind of a resurgent game. Very few big plays. The offense was very solid. You got to be. You got to be happy about what Kevin Harris is doing and the run game in general. So – and the play calling has been outstanding so far. So, you know, I I think there is some positives to take out away from it. But they were playing a team that's not very good. So let's just be honest. Uh, Auburn is much better than Vanderbilt. <laughs> I'll just uh, – I'll give that to you. But, yeah, big, big game this weekend. Noon kickoff, williams Bryce Stadium on ESPN. Um And that's all the the questions we have. I don't know why Mondays are so short time-wise here on the podcast, but they are for some reason. I guess, you know, by the time you get to Monday, you thought about the game a lot. You don't want to really – you know, it's not really quite time to get in to the other one. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. on. I had an email that came in on Friday after I recorded, and I forgot about it. And so, Mitchell has a two-part question. So, yeah, you're going to get a few few more minutes of the pod. I forgot about this. I should have started. Uh, Mitch says, J.C., keep the pod rolling. I enjoy the realistic outlook. It's good for me, and it's good for the fans. I really think that the defense is very close to being good. I believe the run defense is very good. The main issue is the secondary. Uh, Keep in mind, this came in before the game last weekend. I know elite play in any unit takes time to develop in a season. Without Coastal and ECU, to fine-tune things, Uh, the all-SEC schedules made some things tough, but I still believe there's hope. I believe Dickerson's really coming along. Seems faster than R.J. Roderick. Dixon seems to be playing better than Mukwamu. I wouldn't argue there. Staley at Stam linebacker's good, but a step slow at times. Jamar Bat Brown coming back will help. I agree. Uh, And then he goes on and says, am I a sunshine pumper for thinking we can still win four or five games? No, you're not. Uh, Auburn, LSU, A&M all seem feasible at this point. Missouri and Kentucky, you got to win. Ole Miss and Georgia might be tough. Ole Miss might score too many points. Yeah, you're going to have to keep that offense off the field. The good news is they're terrible on defense. Ole Miss is terrible defensively. I mean, as good as their offense is, their defense is terrible. So if you think about it, you you can line up and run it and stay on the field they might go methodically and that that may be a recipe to beat them because nobody's stopping them georgia is georgia and the laws of probability might not let us have three turnovers again yeah it's true georgia is georgia and they're the only team in the league right now playing outstanding defense in my opinion i mean really so uh this is predicated on Zaquandre Z- Z- White adding something to the mix, and one of two. Yeah, he had the fumble this weekend. I hated that for him. One of two receivers, Muse included, being able to catch the ball a little more. Muse actually led the team five for eighty-five. Again, this question came in at Friday, so uh, but I did want to address it. And recruiting question: Does the program have hope moving forward, even if we have a recruiting class that might be outside of the top twenty-five this year? It's COVID, no evals, no camps, coming off a four-and-eight season. Other teams are using that to recruit against the Gamecocks. That's all true. Do we hang on to must-champ and put all our chips into 2021 if we win nine-plus – to win nine-plus games? Could be good in 2021 with a healthy, Lloyd, good quarterback play. Another year of Bobo plus solid defense. Mm -hmm. Then Gunnar is coming in. you got a bunch of momentum. Or am I wearing my garnet-colored glasses for too long? Uh, is this the best case scenario? Can it happen? What are the chances of it playing out this way by percentage? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. First and foremost, I, this class is probably not going to be ranked very high. Let's just be honest. Um, and that was that's kind of to be expected. I mean, and I even said it last year that I, I thought that you know the 2020 class they salvaged it, and congratulations. To Will Muschamp for doing that. I mean that that deserves a lot of praise. <laughs> they held on to Lloyd. They got Birch. You know that was a really good class they signed last year. Uh, but you go into twenty twenty one. There's hot seat talk. There's COVID. Uh, you know when you're at a school that doesn't necessarily have the brand name uh, and that doesn't have a lot of momentum on the field in terms of wins. You, you, the, how you overcome that in recruiting is building relationships, and it's good. You know, the way you build relationships a lot of times is having the guys come on campus and see up close and personal what you're doing. You know, I mean, there's some folks out there, especially out of state kids, that they don't even know Carolina has an 80,000 seat stadium. You know, they don't even know anything about the $50 million ops building because they hadn't seen it. You see pictures, but pictures can be manipulated. Uh, so I get it. I, and I think what you got to do is you got to hope that this class. Is a lot like, and I mentioned this before, the 2006 class where, you know, Carolina, the Spurrier's first class in 05, and there were a lot of busts in that class, but they kind of finished with a bang. You know, they got uh, some guys at the end that, that, you know, only one of them, Carlos Thomas, turned out, but he ended up playing corner. Jonathan Hanna didn't turn out, and then OJ Murdoch was a a tragedy. you know, you got Ryan Suck up in that class, Kenny McKinley in that class, but it Jared Cook was in that class. But, you know, there was a lot of guys that busted out. Well, then the 06 class was ranked about 20 spaces below that. I think Carolina snuck into the top 20, the first Spurrier class. Then 06 is like in the 30s, 40s. But in that 06 class, you got Eric Norwood. You got Darian Stewart. You got Captain Moner, You got Emmanuel Cook. Um You know, there there were a lot of players. I mean, Eric Norwood's one of the best to ever play. Uh, Darian Stewart was in the NFL for how long? Captain Munderland, I think, still in the NFL. You know, Emmanuel Cook certainly was a really good safety, one of the better safeties Carolina's had. So so you got to kind of hope that you hit on these guys. Now, can you sit there and say that will happen for sure? No, no. Um, Statistically, would you rather have higher-ranked guys? Absolutely. But – it's not like this would be the first class in the history of recruiting that's ranked in the 30s that ends up contributing in a major way. Uh, and, and I'll, you know, look at Kentucky. They never, I think, I think Kentucky or it was Missouri. Missouri had the 33rd ranked recruiting class in the team rankings for four straight years. I mean, it's, it just kind of shows you, you know, and, and they're not obviously didn't have to pack it up and uh, end football, and, and 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 that hadn't happened at Carolina. Now you start rolling out the 40th ranked class every single year, um, then either you're a great evaluator and it just doesn't matter. Uh, or And I do think they're really good at evaluating individual talent, the current staff. I haven't come off of that. Um, I think the issues have been on game day. Um, but, you know, can you do that and win? I don't know. But uh, I, I think that there's kind of an un, unnecessary panic over the team ranking right now. Um and I'll admit it's not ideal, but, you know, people are talking about how this is the worst class ever. You know, that's completely unfair to the players in the class, you know, and and what you got to do is hope that, you know, a good chunk of them end up, uh, you know, outplaying their ranking. I mean, one recruiting class, I don't care if it's first or 50th, that's not going to, that doesn't feed into winning, you know, one class. You know, it, it takes a string of classes, and you look and you look 2018 class is pretty good, 2019 is good, 2020 is good. So, as long as this is a one year dip and you can come back in 2022 because you already got a five star quarterback committed, you know, I, I, I absolutely don't think it's a big problem. The more immediate problem is winning football games, you know, because to, to even get to where that's a discussion, you got to win more games, and uh, you know. If you're the Gamecocks, you're hoping that happens Saturday. Mitch, glad I saw that before I hit the delete button there. And I uh, certainly appreciate uh, all the emails today. Again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. If you want to get in on the mailbag, please continue to do the ratings because we have quite a few of them. And the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're marching towards a 1,000. want to get to 1,000 by the end of – the uh, year, the, the the year. And uh, just to tell him, you know, the, the last one, Micah, goes in. He's like, the hot spot hadn't moved. <laughs> I talked about the hot spot down in Greer. Great reference, by the way. Great podcast. I've been listening to you for a while. Thank you there. Um, lots of other five-star ratings and reviews. Certainly appreciate those. Again, getting up towards that 275 mark, want to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. I think, you know, if you think about it, we're – you know, a third of the way through the season. So we're, you know, we're fourth of the way, a little bit more than a fourth to 1000 reviews, throw in a bowl game guys, and we'll get there. We'll certainly get there, but I appreciate that. Again, it's on Apple pods. You can also get us on Spotify. Uh, when you go to Apple pods, if that's how you access the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, some listen to it, but, but, but don't hit subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. It just gives you a little notification as to whenever you have a new episode, and we try to have one every single day. All right, great Monday show, guys, and uh, looking forward to talking to you all week. This is J.C. Sherbert. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Happy Monday, folks.